0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today.
1: I'm giving you every red flag I possibly can about the direction that the country's going in. Now I just need people to hear it. I need states that are voting to act on it. And I need to see that we can stop this sinking ship before it takes off i think that if i'm not an alternative in this race i think that donald trump will lose it's that simple
0: yet no one in michigan feels this way oh don't get me wrong someone in michigan feels this way i'm talking in the in the general here's the real clear politics average the primary taking place in michigan trump 77 haley 21 Can't make this up. That's the Real Clear Politics average. That's the polling of just January and February. And I appreciate the people of Real Clear Politics realizing that their numbers were askew. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Good to be with you. 833 468 8669. 833 got Tony. That's the number. That's how you get to be a part of the show. You should do it. You should be a part of the show. It's a lot of fun. There's candy. Wow, I sound like a radio host with a windowless van. That was weird. Trump 77.5, Haley 21.5. The problem with the polling prior, in terms of the Real Clear Politics average, realclearpolitics.com, is that they included polling from December and November. And that doesn't count. Polling that included DeSantis and other people shouldn't be utilized in any level of polling for what we're experiencing today. So I only went with the Hill-Emerson poll. That poll, taken February 20th to February 24th, that poll has Trump 76, Haley 24, which is Trump plus 52. They add in a morning consult poll, which was January 23rd to February 4th, which has Trump 79, Haley 19, and that's how they get to 77.5 for Trump, 21.5 for Haley. Even if we are to use just the Hill-Emerson poll, guys. Just as a, a way to utilize something. Plus 52 Trump. What are we doing here? What's the argument? What's the conversation? How does Nikki Haley then tell us we move on? I'll tell you how she does it. These are six battleground states. Six battleground states georgia wisconsin arizona nevada michigan and pennsylvania in the battleground states of of georgia trump beats biden head-to-head 6.8 that's the spread he never gets over 50 no one ever gets over 50 in wisconsin trump beats biden by 1.2 in arizona trump beats biden by 4.7 Nevada, Trump beats Biden by 8.4. Michigan, Trump beats Biden by 5.1. And in Pennsylvania, Biden is ahead of Trump by 0.6. And you say to me, see, Tony, you were worried that Trump was a heavy lift. Oh, oh, my dear sweet children. Oh, my pookie boo bear schmoo. Would you listen to me? These numbers are not Great. In every single one of these numbers, Biden is still over 40 points. In every one of these numbers, there is a conversation about what happens when Biden is not the nominee. This is why I brought up the fact that nobody's above 50%. And I have got Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, which are statistical dead heats. And I've got Michigan, where there is a noted amount of people who refused to vote for Joe Biden. Why? Because Joe Biden isn't doing enough for a ceasefire and getting those Jews dead. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I was describing how uh, the Rashida Tlaib fan out of Dearborn is viewing this situation. (gasps) Tony, you can't say that. I'm not saying it. They're saying it. I'm just noticing it. Gretchen Whitmer, The governor of Michigan is out there saying that she expects a fair amount of people to be uncommitted voters.
1: I think there will be a sizable number of votes for uncommitted. I think that it is um, every person's right to make their statement about what's important to them. And we know that the Arab community, the Palestinian community, the Muslim community, those are not all one and the same. There's a lot of, of pain. There's a lot of pain in our Jewish community, too.
0: So we're clear, Gretchen Whitmer you're saying that the Muslim Arab community is in pain because Israel is responding to a terrorist attack? Where is this community to call out the act of terrorism? And when you say to me, well, Tony, they're nowhere, and how dare you expect them to be somewhere? Well, that's when I look at you kind of askew and be like, Oh, wow. You, you've you've certainly taken an interesting tact on this. Uh, Lord knows you're more interested in getting reelected than you are in actually being honest and standing up to terrorists. But let's go back over this, shall we? A sizable number of uncommitted voters, never mind how the governor, Gretchen Whitmer, who herself would like to see her political star rise to the point that she could be the one running for president. Let's go back to the Michigan number that has Trump up 5.1. What happens when that Democrat is somebody who proudly stands for a ceasefire and demands that Israel give up? What, the progressives won't do that? The progressives will totally do that. By the way, I'm, I want to be clear. Biden has already done it. Joe Biden said that the response from Israel is over the top. Now, I didn't want to get into a whole Israel thing. I'm going to get to that because I, I, I leave tomorrow. I leave tomorrow for Israel. I'll be there for a week. We'll be reporting back doing the whole thing. My point to you is those numbers on the battleground states change when Biden is not the nominee. And those leads are not big enough. They're not. If, if, if you tell me that an eight point lead for Trump is enough in Nevada, I could be convinced. If you tell me that 1.2 in Wisconsin is enough, I will tell you you are nuts. If you tell me that 6.8 is enough in Georgia, I tell you it's going to be a battle. Arizona with Trump at 4.7 is going to be a battle. And so will Michigan at 5.1. These are states, Michigan and Pennsylvania, that Trump won in 2016 and did not get in 2020. And that's the ball game. Does he now get them in 2024? Or is Nikki Haley's argument one that can actually get traction that Look, the, the, the primary is the primary, and we all agree that Trump's getting absolutely railroaded and hosed and picked the other things you can say on radio. I can't think of that many expressions. I can think of all the ones you can't say on radio. Whew, I could do that for an hour, but this is still radio. Can't do it. And maybe these people are going to say, okay, we have to win the general election, therefore it's Nikki Haley. You know what kind of feel I have for that happening? Zero. Do you know why? It's not happening. It's not happening. And we'd be out of our heads to think uh, that it was. It's not happening at all. There is no move to Haley. There is no argument that has connected. I find that to be a little weird. I find it a little weird that the argument has not connected in terms of the idea of winning. Um, we see that when, when we take a look at that exit polling in South Carolina, which is extremely insightful, extremely valuable, one of the things that we saw from that was in the exit polling, this uh, this data that what people want is is they they want a person who uh, fights for people like me. I have spent a lot of time thinking about this over the last forty eight hours. The the data point right here. Uh, vote choice group supporting Trump want <laughs> candidate who fights for them. Trump ninety percent, Haley ten percent. I've I've been going over that number and and why that number bothers me. That number is very reminiscent. This happened, uh, Obama versus Romney, twenty twelve, and there was a um, there was an exit poll number. Cares about people like me. What in the world does that even mean? Cares about people like me. It never dawned on me that I should care whether or not, or I should ask whether or not the president cares about me. Cares about the country. I've asked that question before, even before 2012, even in my neophyte days of, of, of politics and being a, a voter, etc. Cares about people like me. Cares about me in general. I never once asked that question. And I thought that when it, when it, when it came up in that exit polling in 2012, I said, that's weird. Does anybody else think that's weird? Very few people thought that was weird. They thought it, it made perfect sense. I didn't think it made perfect sense. I thought it was I, I thought it was childlike. At the very, very best. And then I see want candidates who fights for them. And then it came to most important candidate quality. The margin of error on this exit poll was three points. Fights for people like me, thirty five percent shares my values, 32%, has the right temperament, 16%, can defeat Joe Biden, 13%. I'm sorry, that's messed up. I could agree to the idea that shares my values comes first. And one could argue, I think uh, appropriately, that fights for people like me is another way of saying shares my values. But can defeat the incumbent and win is number four on the list? It's a list of four things. It's fourth on the list. I'm sorry. That's nuts. That is insane. And the Republican Party is Desperate to lose, but they're going to lose standing for something. What that something is, I have no idea. There is no looking ahead. There is no planning ahead. There is only the emotional satisfaction of now. And if it doesn't work out in general, it only proves what their emotions told them. Everybody's against them. I, one of the one of the great lines regarding uh, MAGA was, um, MAGA cannot fail, it can only be betrayed. I, th- I think that was Noah Rothman, who I don't agree with on everything, but I thought that was a clever line, because this is how they view it. This is how they view it. And these numbers kind of prove that. And you know who's been able to take these numbers and not capitalize an ounce? Nikki Haley. Because Nikki Haley is the wrong person to be utilizing these numbers to try and capitalize. I'll say it again. We could have had DeSantis. The people in Americans for Prosperity should recognize the mistake that they made. And I say this as a guy who has done a ton of work with AFP in the past and not working with them currently. Who knows what the future brings? But I was very clear. I was not down with this endorsement. And I am not super negative on Nikki Haley. I think she has made some missteps in in this campaign. Missteps in conversations about free speech and social media and and, 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 and a host of things. But for AFP, which has now stopped funding her, they're going to work on Senate and House races. That's what they always should have done. If they had backed... Ron DeSantis, DeSantis could very well still be in this race, and he'd have a much easier time sharing this conversation. Yes, DeSantis screwed up the start of his race. I know people like to say he did everything fine. He did not do everything fine. He screwed up a lot. Just admit it. It's okay. It's okay. And I'd prefer DeSantis over Trump every day of the week and twice on Sunday. That's not the reality. The reality is I've got these two to choose from. Nikki Haley has not moved the needle on anything. Trump's going to be the nominee. Nothing in Michigan says otherwise. I had said about South Carolina that Nikki Haley would have to come within single digits to get people to think... She was down by, what is it, 25, 26? She'd have to come within single digits. She'd have to do 15, 16 points uh, better than than expectations. To to beat expectations. She's down by 52. She isn't going to do 43 points better. So I don't know what we're doing here. Because Michigan is not a 60-40 state. She keeps saying this. 40% of the electorate, they aren't sold. In Michigan, they look like they're sold. Now, Michigan comes out 60-40. I guess you can still have a conversation. But there's no data that shows that's going to be the case. Michigan is out there voting. The results will come in this evening. I'm Tony Katz. Hybrids are still in. Makes sense. There is no faith in the all-electric amongst the mass populace. But hybrid, the idea that, okay, I can plug it in and save some money on the gas, and then I can still get gas, I like it. it. Makes perfect sense for me. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find it all at TonyCats dot com. That's where you find everything going on. So here is the full list. Uh, consumer Reports of um the 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 vehicles. What, what is this? The vehicles that people find most re- reliable. Is 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 that is that what it is? Um. It's the top 2024 vehicle rankings uh, by Consumer Reports. So in the small car, it's the Mazda three. I don't, I don't have a Mazda uh, a three. In the midsize, it's the Camry hybrid. And then, of course, there's uh, in the hybrid or plug-in category, there is the Toyota Prius. In the midsize SUV, it's the Highlander hybrid. In the small pickup. It is the Ford Maverick, uh, the Maverick hybrid. So what people are saying, if if you're asking me about reliable cars, something that I can have a full faith in, hybrid works. Full faith in electric? Not so much. Totally get it. And I say this as a guy who has a local a sponsor in Indianapolis, Andy Moore Ford. I'm driving the F-150 Lightning, which is the electric vehicle, the electric pickup truck. I, 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 I won't lie to you. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. It is amazing. And it ain't for everybody. The market is telling us. The only people not listening are those at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Are those ideologues who really are convinced that you shouldn't have a gas stove. Never mind a gas-powered car. Those ideologues who say you shouldn't even be able to sell gas combustion engines after a time certain. That's what California's doing. These people are nutty. The country doesn't want all electric. Hybrids they're down with. I'm Tony Katz. Earned it. That's a that's a statement. Earned it. This is Andrea Mitchell, who somehow is still allowed to be on our television screen. All right. Admittedly, it's MSNBC, and you may not be watching all the time. All right. That that much is true. That much is 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 very very true. But Andrea Mitchell talking to Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado, an incredible disappointment, saying that we have to send the $60 billion to Ukraine,
1: they've earned it. And while you were at the Munich conference and while uh, we, uh, we had a bunch of uh, uh, military people and, and politicians, uh, Putin was executing Navalny. While, 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 the, while we were in Munich, he was executing Navalny. Because he was saying, what you care about doesn't matter to me, I can act with impunity. And this is not about, you know, being tough, it's not about uh, 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 tit for tat, it's about recognizing that Putin believes that democracy is on the line here and he's winning. Xi Jinping rec- recognizes democracy is on the line here and they are winning. Like it or not, this is the one, po- literally, the one place in the world that can show them that they're wrong and Zelensky has earned it the sacrifice that the american people or that the ukrainian people have suffered in this war on their behalf yes on our behalf as well is more than anybody could have asked of them and they have fought magnificently
0: have the people on the southern border earned it i'm asking senator bennett i don't know if i said hello tony katz Tony Katz uh, today, but I'm not going to sit here and listen to the posturing from the senator from Colorado without asking Did the people at the southern border earn it? Have all of those ranchers earned it? Did all of the parents whose children died from fentanyl poisoning earn it? Did the family Of Lake and Riley, who got killed in Georgia. By the way, not just killed. The reporting coming out is haunting of what happened to this girl. I'd like to know if her parents earned it. And this is the problem with the Republican Party. Because not one Republican walks up to this callous beta male punk and says, have they earned it? You do not get to send our money three quarters of the way around the globe without first Taking care of the people right here. And I, Tony Katz, I'm a guy who supports sending the money to Ukraine. I support giving them bullets and giving them guns to fight the Russians. It's the smart, proper approach. It's good policy. They've earned it. Yet the southern border stays porous. And not one Republican looks Bennett in the eye and says, how dumb are you? You make me sick. Spits on his shoes and walks off. Not a one. And they and they wonder why the people are so upset. They wonder why the people are angry. I find that to be stunning. Someone brought up an interesting idea, and I wanted to get your take on it. Eight three three got Tony. Eight three three four six eight eight six six nine. Eight three three. Uh, got Tony that that is the that is the number so you can be a part of, of what we're doing and 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 you could you could tell me what you think. There was a congressman, and I, I don't I, I don't know the, the the dude. The congressman, his last name is 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 Perry, and Representative Perry, who used to run the Freedom Caucus, he's out of Pennsylvania. He's got a theory. He's got an idea. And his idea is, don't invite Joe Biden to deliver the State of the Union. And before you're like, whoa, wait a second. This at least should have uh, between us at this moment a discussion. The rules of the State of the Union are, are very, very simple. Uh, it is nothing more than a giving an, an update. Hey, uh, there, executive branch, give um, give uh, the uh, give the people here an update on what's going on. That's all. This is the United States Constitution, Article Two, Section Three. Remember, the executive branch is Article 2. Congress is Article 1. He shall from time to time give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. He may, on extraordinary occasions, convene both houses or either of them And in case of disagreement between them, with respect to the time of adjournment, he may adjourn them to such time as he shall think proper. He shall receive ambassadors and other public ministers. He shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed and shall commission all the officers of the United States. So this. State of the Union. Is. um, Nothing more than a. Hey, tell us what's going on. It doesn't have to be how we have it now, which is a convening of of both houses and the pomp and circumstance and the TV and and everything else, because as we've seen it, it's never a State of the Union. It's a laundry list of of campaign promises and, and sloganeering. That's all it is. It's nothing more than campaign fodder. Look at how strong he is. Oh, I think he came across weak. Blah, 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 blah it isn't necessary to invite the president to the House. As a matter of fact, it should be understood that the speaker does invite the president. Perry's point is that the invitation to give the State of the Union should be utilized as a point of leverage when it comes to border funding and border safety. So since it comes at the invitation of Congress, the State of the Union speech, uh, and the Republicans are in control of the House, you don't have to invite them. You don't have to get more propaganda. You don't have to listen to him blame the American people for the crisis that he's caused. That's uh, Representative Perry's argument. It's an interesting idea. I thought it could use a little conversation because... The plus side is, why give the guy any chance to engage any further his radical political ideology? Why give him a forum to just punch at Republicans? Seems foolhardy. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve it in any way, shape, or form. We're, 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 we're in a level of hardball politics. These are people who utilize uh, impeachment as a political tool. And we'll do it again, by the way, gladly. These are the people under late Senator Harry Reid, one of the most despicable people ever to serve in Congress, who was very okay with the nuclear option, taking away the ability uh, to filibuster, to get his judges approved. And as Mitch McConnell told him, you will regret this. And he did. Hey, Merrick Garland, he got to be attorney general, but that'll end soon. Never going to be a Supreme Court justice, Merrick Garland. Just not, not in the cards. Unless, of course, Sotomayor decides that she's going to step away and uh, and uh, Biden replaces her with you. I mean, that could happen right now. Uh, there's an interesting corollary uh, there. I don't know if corollary is, is the right word. Maybe it's just a side story. Did you know that Justice Sotomayor travels with a medic? I... Look, I am not a fan of Justice Sotomayor. I don't think she's a good justice. I don't think she adjudicates. She votes. Whatever the progressives want, that's what she does. Elena Kagan has been surprising in, in how some of her votes go. Like she actually might be paying attention to the subject at hand. But there's a story up over at PJ Media about how in 2018, a medic from Grand Junction, Colorado, accompanied Justice Sotomayor on a trip she took to Southern Florida. And it was a three day book tour with stops in Illinois and Tennessee. In October of 2018, um, Marshall Service incurred costs for uh, a baggage medic. In 2021 and 2022, Sotomayor made trips, Florida, New York, Puerto Rico, in which the Marshall Service mentioned baggage containing medical gear and a redacted uh, a description of baggage slash medical supplies. Now, I'm not making the argument that if she has some, some health issue, A, that it would even, even have to be disclosed. She She has the lifetime appointment. And if you want to remove her, it'd have to be through impeachment. I don't see that happening. I thought it was interesting, though. If she is in ill health, I, for for all I disagree with her, I wouldn't want that for her. I, I hope she's okay. But it, it is interesting to 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 learn that and 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 to see that and what that what that means. The only way Merrick Garland gets on the court is if someone like her says, "I can't do this anymore." That doesn't seem to be the case, although this was interesting. But back to the, the idea of the State of the Union. Republicans could easily say, nah, we don't need you. Just write a little note. We're good. But there's a downside. Oh, you're too afraid to have him talk. I thought he was just an old man. I thought he was an old infirm man. You're just afraid that he's going to kick your butt like he did the last time. He did better at the State of the Union the last time than was expected. That much is true. Recognize it. By the way, for Biden, not falling down is better than expected. But this is what's going to come back. Look at how weak Republicans are. They won't even engage a conversation with somebody. They're not interested in working in the best interest of the country. They're just, you know, they might as well be separatists at this stage of the game. These extreme MAGA Republicans. You see, Trump doesn't want Biden to be at the State of the Union. Whatever it is they're going to say, because it's always got to go back to Trump. So then you're like, okay, maybe they do have him. If they have him, don't say anything. Just let him talk. Let him talk and let him say whatever. And then you can afterwards say, look at this doddering old fool. You can't be serious about letting this guy be in charge. He doesn't know where he is right now. Now you got to hope he has a bad night or at least a a dull night that you can then capitalize. But that only happens if you have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene sitting on their hands and not yelling at the guy, where if he gets one good quip, it's game over. So if you have him at the State of the Union, because you feel that that's better than disinviting him to the State of the Union, you got to be able to exhibit levels of self-control. I ask you, when have you seen this Republican Party engage in self-control? Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't interested in self-control; she's interested in whatever is going to move her constituents, and so is Matt Gates. By the way, uh, this can be said of near anyone, and within uh, circles on the political right, it isn't. It isn't about. A movement, it isn't about ideology, it isn't about policy, it is about whatever will move, whatever it is uh, that gets you paid, and that's all. Well, Tony, isn't that true about you? Have you listened to what I talk about? I don't know if it's so true about me. (laughs) But it's an issue uh, in, in in a very, very large measure. So this idea of not inviting him, I think, is very interesting. And I think that there is a great value... To the to the, to the thought, don't invite him and say, "Listen to me. We don't need to hear your claptrap nonsense, garbage." We need border security. So let's forego the big night and everybody getting themselves, you know, some coffee and cake afterwards on the House. Why don't we instead spend the time crafting some border legislation and getting it done? Here, look, here's House Bill 2. Why don't you ask the Senate to go past that? At least vote on it, for the love of God. There's a really good argument in that. There's also a downside. Um, I like the idea of not doing it. I think that at this stage, the not doing it might be more fraught, might be more perilous in how it would be spun. I am concerned that Republicans don't know how to allow a guy to destroy himself and then utilize that to their advantage. And they should let him destroy himself and utilize that to their advantage. I think the State of the Union will happen. I think the idea of not doing it is an interesting conversation. After talking it out, it goes on. That's where I'm at. We'll see where the Republicans are. I'm Tony Katz. Did anybody else catch Jamie Dimon saying that if you think there's a soft landing coming, that's that's precious, Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. That all the expectations about a soft landing, meaning that we'll come down from inflation without recession or or, or or worse, um, that is all pipe dream stuff. Yes, yes, it is. Hold on a second. Do I have to? I I don't I I need sound effects to prove this. Okay, all right. I'm 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 happy to do so. Yes, 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 yes. Guys, why does everybody think that everything's just gonna work out just fine? What has this economy ever done to prove that? Nutty. So he's saying it. He's discussing the idea that this idea about the the, the, the soft landing. It's not there. You should be concerned. You should be concerned about pricing. You should be concerned about interest rates. Recession can clearly come. It might not be the worst recession in the history of mankind. But the idea that everything's going to work out without recession, it's just its just super awkward. Super duper awkward. Super duper awkward. President Biden is banking on a ceasefire to start on Monday, and Jake Tapper is annoyed that you noticed that a jogger got killed. He's annoyed with Republicans for making a big deal out of it. I, I've I've got the story. That's coming up. This is Tony Katz today.